You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. You can make us part of your morning routine with the Google Assistant. Set us up in your newsfeed, and you will get little updates every morning from me. Little one-minute and five-minute analysis, sound bites, whatever it is, and it part of your morning routine. It's great for Expert Tuesday. She said, "TV and Packet a podcast extraordinaire Maggie Loney is on the show today to talk about what happened on Sunday. To look forward to what's going on with the Bears." So we're going to get to that conversation in a little bit. Before we dive in to what we're going to get to on the show today and where we're going to start, I want to let you know, I know we're a little late on this, that Brewtown Trading Co. has announced their winner of the Packers-Bears tickets. Jeremy Clapoff from Oak Creek, Wisconsin, is the winner of those tickets. Uh, hopefully he can still go. Uh, thanks for for being a part. Thanks for everyone that that stopped into the the store. Thanks for everyone that sent tweets and and entered. Uh, I would I would hope it's not the last time that that we hear from them and and have an opportunity to do a giveaway like this. Uh, Packers Bears should be really excellent. And to that end, let's start with a redux of Sunday because I think it allows us to push forward. For our expectations against the Bears, against the Vikings, against the Lions, and then for the playoffs. Because I came out of Sunday feeling mixed about what had happened. It felt a lot like a lot of the games that the Packers have been in this season where they've started fast, gone into lulls, and then at the end did just enough to get themselves a win. It's not consistent, but they're consistent in their inconsistency. (laughs) And that, you know, that's clearly not ideal. It's not what you want, but it's who they are right now. And I went back and and I saw a tweet from one of the ESPN analytics guys who mentioned that Green Bay had the number one pass rush win rate in a game on Sunday. The the best of the season, 92% win rate. And I went back and I thought, well, that can't be. Rodgers sacked four times, you know, hit a couple more times, certainly pressured more than that. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the what's happening? Because I know he held the ball a lot. That was a common refrain from fans and criticism of fans that he was holding the ball too much. Was that true? So I went back and I looked. And I wanted to see, I looked at all 10 incompletions. I looked at all four sacks. And I actually looked at the scrambles too because there have been some times this year where Rodgers has scrambled and passed up what really would have been better options through the air. And I I came away believing that Rodgers had not played as badly as some have said, 
but not played as well as I thought. And we knew the we knew the big misses. We knew the Jimmy Graham throw was off. That's just a miss. We knew the Aaron Jones throw was off. Rodgers talked about it after the game. What he didn't do is throw Aaron Jones under the bus. Because what we found out Monday from Matt LaFleur was that Aaron Jones on that play was supposed to release outside. He's supposed to go up the sidelines. And that is where Aaron Rodgers threw the ball. So that doesn't change the fact that the footwork was garbage and the the mechanics of it were not great. If Aaron Jones runs where he's supposed to run, maybe it's a touchdown. Aaron Jones himself confirmed this to my colleague Ross Uglum on Twitter. Ross tweeted about it, said, you know, look, it seems like this is a miss. Matt LaFleur said it wasn't because Aaron Jones was supposed to do a thing. And Aaron Jones said, facts. He was supposed to do the thing. And he didn't. And this is why evaluation can often be difficult. Matt LaFleur came to his press conference on Monday in a much different mood from the guy that we saw Sunday. The guy we saw Sunday came out after the game, visibly frustrated, and before any questions were asked, said, I want to talk about how many plays were left on the field. I want to talk about giving Washington credit, but also feeling like we could have been better. And what we found out Monday was he was so frustrated so annoyed with himself and with the play on the field that he went right upstairs after the game and watched the tape and began the self-scout. And what he said is critical here. He said that the attention to detail, the coaching, this is what he said. He said, it starts with me and our coaching and making sure we can explain to the players the why of every play, what they're doing and why, and getting really into the details. This is who Matt LaFleur is. The details are everything. And to me, reading between the lines, that signals a coach who believes the scheme is doing what it's supposed to do, who believes the play calling is where it needs to be. He has in the past talked about putting our guys in a position to succeed. That's the that's the language that he often uses. This was about getting the guys on their details. So that starts with Rodgers' progressions. He seemed okay to, to good about the progressions. I don't know if I agree, but okay. We've got to take him at his word there. It's what he has to say. But, but then again, he can say, look, everyone, including Aaron, needs to be better. He has been loathed to even hint at a criticism with Rodgers in the media. And, you know, maybe maybe that is intentional. I don't think we need to read too much into it. But more to the point here, this speaks to a question of execution. Guys are not consistently executing. So when I went back and I looked at those plays, yes, some were on Rodgers for getting antsy in the pocket or missing a throw. There were some on the receivers for drops, a couple drops. There were a couple missed assignments in the in the pass block game. There were a couple times, and I think one of the reasons the pass rush win rate was a little bit wonky and did not quite jive with what we'd seen is because the threshold for a win is two and a half seconds. Well, there are play action plays where Rodgers might take 2.7 seconds to even get his head around because you got to get the play fake and then you got to turn and face the defense. They had a screen to Jamal Williams and, and coach talked about this. 
it was set up really well. But David Bakhtiari got beat. And so as soon as Rodgers turns around, there's a guy in his lap. He can't get the ball to Jamal Williams. And the screen doesn't work. There were a couple times when they had shot plays. And a little bit of pressure threw the timing off. And this is, this is I think, when we talk about, when, when LaFleur gets the question, you know, why is it not working? Really, the question is, why are players not executing? And I guess it's not, it, it's not really that simple because it could be play calling, play stacking, play design, all that stuff. It seems like LaFleur is comfortable with that. And he should be. His game plans are excellent. And, and why they can execute the plays early on and not later in the game, I, I don't quite know. I do think LaFleur can, can sometimes get away from what's working. But then again, when you, when you watch, you go, well, that play would have worked if. And that's something we commonly see. That play would have worked if. If the left tackle doesn't get beat. If. Roger steps up into the pocket and makes an accurate throw. If the receiver is where he needs to be at the time he needs to be, gets his head around and makes the catch. A, a football play is so dense with information and with responsibilities. There's so much going on on a given play that it can be hard, even with access to the All-22, to know where guys are supposed to be. So you can say, okay, Rogers missed this progression, but... We don't know where that progression was supposed to start necessarily. We can say, okay, the play design was here, but maybe they talked about, hey, when we run this play this week, the backside post is going to be open, so look there. So even if there's a route combination on the front side and you say, okay, this is where this needs to be, or you say, hey, this is what this receiver needs to do, it's not it's not always that easy. And that none of that is to excuse anyone's play. I don't want to do that because that's not what I'm doing. What I think we need to remember is the the play live is not the final word on what happened. And we need to remember that. And so when we go back and watch, even when we go back and watch, everyone that, that watched the All-22, the game, uh, we saw Rodgers miss that throw. And you don't have to be a football person to see that Rodgers missed Aaron Jones. Now we have more context. And so if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic about this offense, it's that the play designs are consistently good. They're consistently putting players in a position to succeed. They're, they're consistently attacking defenses in ways that make sense. They're consistently finding ways to put defenses in no-win situations. They're executing in the run game on a consistent basis. And the passing game is just not quite there. The The... the for those of you who who were listeners last year, Doug Farrar came on and talked about the the delicate dance that is a West Coast offense, a West Coast style of offense. There's so much rhythm, there's so much balletics in trying to put everything, the timing of everything, and being in the right place. And someone like Rogers demands this level of trust. And you know, we talk about it with with Tom Brady. There's this anecdote that that Kevin Clark at the Ringer likes to tell about Tom Brady throwing balls in the sun intentionally to get his receivers used to looking back into the sun for throws. Peyton Manning was borderline psycho about repping. I mean, Wes Welker tells a story about 
spending a day just working on slants, just working on one route and getting the timing of it perfectly. And this is a new offense for everyone. And so the execution isn't quite there. I mentioned on Sunday, this was before, you know, Matt LaFleur said anything. This is before I'd, I'd done a rewatch of the game. I said, I think guys are are thinking a little too much and they're not consistently executing their responsibilities. And I mean, Matt Ioannidis got a sack on a play where neither Billy Turner nor Brian Bulaga blocked anyone. That is not something you'd expect from two veteran players. And I really think it goes back to guys still learning this system. Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari have been in an offense that is different than this offense for a decade. Aaron Rodgers has been in in a different offense for longer than that. And so everyone is trying to get on the same page here. And again, this is not an excuse. This is an explanation. They are not executing. I'm not saying they are are executing. They are not executing. I'm trying to, to find reasons for their lack of execution because to me, the errors are not consistently physical. Guys are not losing their battles one-on-one consistently. In fact, pass rush win rate says the offensive line, for example, is winning pretty consistently. And that, yes, there are times when the receivers are, are just not open. Some of that is really good defense. Yes, there are times when Rodgers misses throws. Yes, there are times when Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams misses a, a lane or they miss a pass protection assignment. There are some some times when physically they're not playing the way that they want to be playing. That's going to happen. Physical mistakes happen. The mental mistakes are are what need to stop. And that's what Matt LaFleur is talking about when he's talking about the details. The, The why. This is fascinating to me. The why of a play. You need to know why you are executing your job a certain way on every play. The why helps drive it home for you. Why is it this way? Why is the progression this way? Why is a slant run this way against this leverage? There are so many little details. Everyone on the team has to be as detail-oriented as Matt LaFleur for this offense to hum. You know, we saw it take a year in Atlanta. Maybe that's part of the deal, that it just takes time for everyone to get this down. And once they do, maybe things will take off for them. We'll see. We'll see. That is the case, though, is that this is about execution. If they can get the mental side down, it can click for them because we see it in spurts. When they execute, when they execute, that's when we see them go on a 14 nothing run. When we see them go up 21 nothing, we see them score 14 points in the fourth quarter. That is what this offense is capable of. We've seen it. We're not asking them to do anything we haven't seen. We're just asking them to do it a little bit more consistently. All right. She is one of the hosts of the Packaday podcast. She is a writer at She Said TV. You can follow her on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. Maggie, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. So Sunday was not fun for a lot of people, and the Packers come out with a win, but not the most impressive win. When you watch a game like we saw on Sunday and you're and you're thinking about it or you're digesting it, are you 
looking for positives or are you bogged down in the negativity? What is your, what is generally, and it's not a binary, you can be somewhere in the middle, but what is your general perspective on a game like that? I tend to be um, an optimistic observer um, where I think what I do typically, like what I did against Washington is I looked at the areas where I thought the team needed to improve. And if they did show improvement in that area in some other game this season, then it made me optimistic that, you know, this team is firing, but they can't seem to fire on all the same cylinders at once, uh, which is something that Rogers talked about at his uh, post-game presser was just saying that he's not concerned because this team is finding ways to win in different ways, whether it's through the run game, through the defense forcing turnovers, when he has a really hot game uh, in the passing game. Uh, So I think that that's kind of where I look is just if this team can get things rolling, they do have a chance to be really, really good. But right now it's kind of, well, I guess the whole season really has felt like a waiting game as to will they get there? Will they get over that hump and actually put everything together? Yeah, and and Matt LaFleur was really dejected in his press conference on Sunday. He came in and and before he even took questions, had a soliloquy about how you know there was a lot of plays left on the field. And then he came in Monday and sounded a little bit more optimistic that it was more about the execution of the concepts, the detail orientation, the you know getting the little things right in this offense that players maybe just aren't doing. And I, and it seemed like that was cause for optimism for him. Would that be cause for optimism for you? Yeah. And I mean, I think that when you listen to Aaron Rodgers, he takes a lot of the ownership on that. And he he pointed out, you know, the Jimmy Graham incompletion that would have gone for a touchdown. And he says, if we make some of these key plays, this game looks a lot different and the score looks a lot different. Fans are probably feeling a lot better. And I know that they beat up on a now three and 10 football team, but you know, there is something to be said about, yeah, you have to put that together against a better team. You know, missing those opportunities will still get you a win or should still get you a win when you're a 10 and three team against a team that's not playoff bound. But, you know, if you miss those opportunities against a team like the 49ers or the Saints in the playoffs, then there goes your season. So I think there are reasons for optimism, uh, but I think that there comes a point when they have to start acknowledging you know, what they need to do and they have to start doing it. But Aaron Rodgers did seem to think that the team was going to get there. So there was a game on Sunday that I'm, I'm sure you watched at least part of or or caught the highlights of, and that was San Francisco, New Orleans. And it looked like a, a battle between the two best teams in the NFC. And yet Green Bay and Seattle are both vying for that two seed. In your mind, can Green Bay get to a place? Is it possible with this roster, this team, if if everything fires the way that it's supposed to, to your point, can they hang in a game like the one we saw Sunday in New Orleans? I want to say yes, and I don't know if that's, <laughs> you know, me being the optimistic person that I tend to be. Um, but I, I know Aaron Rodgers has had kind of a down season as far as his numbers are concerned, which is really weird to say when he also has his first perfect passer rating of his career. Um, earlier in the season against the Raiders, but he mm-hmm. is on pace, you know, for the second lowest QBR or quarterback rating of his career, uh, which would be the second only to 2018, which of course was not a good season for obvious reasons. Um, but I think when you have playmakers like Aaron Jones, when you have Aaron Rodgers, when the defense plays the way that they did 
against the Redskins. And again, is it because it's the Redskins? I guess that's kind of the big question. But if this team does start firing on all cylinders, I do think that they have the potential to hang with some of these better teams. And the way that the Rams kind of pushed around the Seahawks made me feel like they were another beatable team, despite them beating the 49ers um, to take that tiebreaker. So I know, you know, there's the cliche of any given Sunday, but I think if the Packers put themselves in a position to own that second seed and some of these uh, playoff routes have to come through Green Bay in the snow, especially if it's a dome team like the Saints or a warm weather uh, California team, like the 49ers, I do think that then the Packers are putting themselves in a good spot to maybe um, kind of capitalize on what Aaron Rodgers, you know, calls that home field advantage at Lambeau in January. Yeah, I mentioned on the show yesterday that it reminds me a little bit of 2014 when I wasn't sure Green Bay was the best team, but thought it looked like they were going to get a bye. It looked like they were going to be in position to to make a run at the NFC. And then after losing to Seattle by 20, go to Seattle and we know how that game ended, but we also know how that game looked for, what, 55 minutes of it. This is not the same Aaron Rodgers, though. So the part of this offseason was spent, and in fact, the, the major part of the offseason was spent trying to make life easier on him by adding defensive pieces. And so far, we have seen Zadarius and Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, those guys, Darnell Savage, really take advantage. The numbers don't necessarily reflect it, but do you think this defense, based on what we saw Sunday, is is coming together a little bit or can come together down the stretch to give them the kind of play that they need moving forward? Yeah, and I think that a lot of fans get really frustrated by the Ben don't break mantra that this defense has because in some recent weeks it's felt a lot more like breaking than bending. Uh, but when mm-hmm. you look at the way that this defense is forcing turnovers in key moments. I think that's kind of what this whole defense is predicated on. Um, I don't necessarily know that they have the capacity with the players that they have, at least right now, to defend against some of those explosive plays, especially in the middle of the field. But the red zone defense is solid. The way that they're forcing turnovers is solid. The way that they're pressuring the quarterback. I think that the defense can do enough to put the Packers in key positions to capitalize on those turnovers and win games. Um, it's it's kind of weird when you have an Aaron Rodgers-led offense to think that the offense is the problem, but I do think that the defense sets them up nicely to stay in games, and it's whether or not the offense can kind of get things rolling and not be in those third and long situations or those penalties that set them back and kind of stall drives. Yeah, you mentioned the Aaron Rodgers part, and, and there has been a chorus of fans who have believed and, and do believe that Aaron Rodgers is the problem on offense. Where are you with what we've seen from Rodgers this season? I don't think that I would call him the problem, uh, but I do think that, you know, he's making some mistakes that maybe a vintage Aaron Rodgers or a couple of years ago Aaron Rodgers wouldn't necessarily make. And I don't know if that's due to some of the um, protection on the offensive line, you know, his uh, bookend t- uh, tackles, Bakhtiari is having kind of a, a weird year. He hasn't looked like his all-pro self um, for the entirety of the season, which is weird. I mean, he's still having a solid season, but he's not, I guess, playing at the level that we've become accustomed to. So that's part of it. I don't know if Rodgers is trying to scramble too frequently now instead of getting the ball out. Um, and I do think that there's still, 
kind of a lack of communication maybe in the passing game where wide receivers either aren't getting open, uh, the scramble drills aren't working the way that they used to because that almost used to be the bread and butter of the Packers offense in that you know, 2011 to 2015 kind of sweet spot where they all knew how to get on the same page and find openings. Um, But the way that you talked about this defense infusing talent, um, I kind of feel like that's going to be the emphasis of 2020, regardless of what happens, Um, Mm -hmm. what the Packers do in the playoffs, how far they make it kind of thing. I think they definitely will be looking for more talent. Uh, They had Jimmy Graham. I don't think he's worked out the way that they expected him to. Mercedes Lewis has played well, but I don't know if he's someone that they would extend. So it feels like the emphasis is really going to be on some talented wide receivers and to kind of rejuvenate the offense the same way that that defense was rejuvenated in 2019. Yeah, I said it on Twitter on Monday. It's it's players, not plays. And just because they changed the plays doesn't mean that they were they were going to magically change this offense into something that it uh, it, it it wasn't recently. And using Aaron Jones better is a great start. They unlocked some facets of his game. But at a certain point, that only gets you so far. So, I mean, I think you're right. There, There is definitely going to be um, a, an offensive emphasis this offseason. I mentioned changing the plays. And this seems like an even more appropriate time given the, the Tom Pelissero sit-down with Mike McCarthy and his uh, supposed evolution in his year off from football where are you with with Matt Lafleur and what this offense has uh, transformed into? Because it does look different, and certainly looks different now than it did even you know say a month ago or six weeks ago. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers even joked about noticing um, everyone on Twitter with the free Aaron Jones comments that have kind of permeated <laughs> most of the offensive dialogue for the last couple of seasons now. Uh, but I've been especially impressed. Almost, uh, I think we know or knew what Aaron Jones could be and the potential that was there. But the way that Matt LaFleur is also utilizing Jamal Williams in the passing game, especially Mm -hmm. um, just having a dynamic one, two punch in the backfield is something that the Packers haven't had, or I guess they have had the players, but you know, the offensive scheme didn't align uh, with utilizing them as effectively as maybe they could have. Um, So I think that that has been a really nice focal point of the offense this season. I mean, when you hear a Washington team say that their goal is to force Aaron Rodgers to beat them because they're game planning for Aaron Jones, that's kind of crazy, especially, you know, all things considered when you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So if like Aaron Rodgers said, he's looking at the 18th hole potentially of a pretty storied career. If this is what the offense has to become for Aaron Rodgers to utilize it effectively, maybe now that he is on that, that back nine of his career, um, then I think that the emphasis on the running game is especially important. Yeah, and and it's one of those things where you, you can do both, right? I mean, you can you can utilize Aaron Jones. We've seen we've seen Matt Lafleur use Aaron Jones to great effect in the passing game and right. down the field, and so that that's just another playmaker that that they can use. I want to push this forward a little bit because the Packers have an enormous matchup with the Chicago Bears on Sunday, an NFC North rivalry tilt. What do you need to see? Because I think a lot of fans and certainly the players themselves, the coaches, they want to feel like they are building momentum. They are building a rhythm as we head toward Christmas, as we head toward January, because this team, barring some real craziness, is going to the playoffs. 
So what do you need to see against Chicago that, that'll give you more hope than, let's say, you have right now coming out of what we saw on Sunday? I think this one is really tricky because going into the Giants game, we kind of already knew who the Giants were. And the same was true of the Redskins. These are two teams that technically are still alive in playoff contention, but it just it doesn't seem like it's their year. You kind of know that they're in down years. You know what to expect from these teams. Uh, we don't really know yet who the 2019 Bears are. They started slow. They're on a three-game win streak. Mitchell Trubisky is kind of putting things together. Um, the offense is starting to click. They had over 150 yards on the ground against the Cowboys. Um, so this, to me, screams December football in Green Bay. I think that this is one of the bigger tests that Green Bay will face um, pretty much on the on the whole season. I know that week one, you know, you're still learning each other. I think the Packers definitely score more than 10 points. I think the Bears definitely score more than three points. Um, I think both offenses will be clicking a lot more than they were. Um, but I think you just look for a complete game. And I know that that's such a cliche thing to say, um, but you know, what Aaron Rodgers is able to do against a really dominant uh, Bears defense who is still top 10 in pretty much every category in the league, except I think passing yards, which they're still in the top half. Uh, But this offense has kind of struggled to move the ball effectively. Um, I know that getting the wide receivers utilized was almost non-existent for most of the Washington game. So just finding ways to marry the run and the pass against a more dominant defense, because to me, the toughest challenge of the season then comes next week against the Vikings. So what this team can do against a Bears defense would go a long way to traveling on the road to taking on likely an even better Minnesota defense. Yeah, and and just to, to put a finer point on it, Bill Huber did, did mention on Twitter that uh, Washington, I think he wrote about it as well for SI, that Washington, since Bill Callahan took over, uh, they've been they've been top ten in a number of defensive categories, including sacks. Uh, so they they have they've been playing much better, even though they are you know now a three and ten team. Maggie, this was great. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Let my audience know where they can find more of the work that you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney L O N E Y, and you can also find my writing at Cheesehead TV. Awesome. Thanks, Maggie. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, I want to thank Maggie again for joining the show. Crossover Wednesday with our friend Lauren over at Locked on Bears will be tomorrow. We'll get our scouting report on Thursday, seeing if I can get an interview. Uh, that would be great if we could if we could get that worked out. I'm working on it right now, so I, I don't think anyone needs a, a deep dive on the Bears. So if we could get another perspective on what's going on, what's been going on for the last three weeks, that would be terrific. I'm working on it. In the meantime... Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Go subscribe to the podcast. Go leave us a rating, leave us a review, or Spotify, wherever you're doing that. I want to remind you again about the Google Home thing because I I just got a Google Home, a Google Home Mini, and I love it already. And you can just say good morning in the morning, and it will it will go through a routine for you that you can preset news, sports, whatever you want. It'll tell you the weather. It'll tell you traffic. You can add Locked On Packers to your morning routine. And I just think I just think it's really cool. I, I'm not even, this is not even a sponsored ad for, for Google. I, it's just a cool thing. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 
341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.